I received uh, mailed in letter recently, and it was talking about the fact that we Catholics don't have scripture. And of course, you've heard my talks before that the canonized Bible that we have today actually comes from the Catholic Church. And the Bible, um, <clears throat> as it was, <clears throat> the, the particular books that are in it, because there were hundreds of books, was done by the Catholic Church. And you could see the wisdom here of the Catholic Church because, do you notice the connection between the readings, how they place the, the, first, old, or the uh, first reading, the Old Testament, and specifically how it applies to this reading of the New Testament? In the Old Testament, we hear about Satan tempting man in paradise. Now here, we hear about Christ coming to undo it. So he gets tempted by the devil, but not in paradise, but in a dry, barren desert. Christ is stripping away, but yet the devil tempts. Now, Brother John just read in detail from Genesis about Adam and Eve. Now, are Adam and Eve real persons? Were they real persons? Do we have to believe in their existence? And this confuses a lot of Catholics because unfortunately there's a lot of misteaching even within the Catholic ranks. Do we have to believe that they were real persons? Yes, we do. All right. Science now shows that every person alive today can be traced back to one woman genetically. It's actually a scientific fact. Catechism 362 and 375 says the story of Adam and Eve is historical in content, meaning it is real, it happened, but symbolic in description. This is what confuses a lot of people. I just can't picture it happening exactly that way. Well, that's okay. It's a historical event. This is right from the, the catechism of the Catholic Church. The story is historical. What happened was real, but the description is symbolic. Makes perfect sense. And so the message is being conveyed through images. Now, what does the garden represent? The garden represents paradise, a state of grace. When you're in a state of grace, all right, man who is created outside the garden. Don't forget that. Man was not created inside the garden. Man was created outside the garden and then was placed there by God to show that he is raised to a higher level, to a higher paradise than from which he was created on the natural level. He was created for the supernatural, this paradise, something greater than we have in this valley of tears. This is the hope that we have for something greater than this valley of tears. And so this level of divine blessedness is something that we hope for. It's, it's above this natural state which we were created in, all right? But it does show man is the focus of God, all right? Unlike the tabernacle or the temple of the Jews, it is something special. Although that was too, but a different way. Do you know that the garden was entered from the east? We still hold that tradition of the east in the church. So it was east of Eden. 
that a James Dean movie, I think? East, east of Eden? So you entered from the east. This puts Eden in modern-day Iraq. And a lot of people believe that the coming trials of the world in the next age will be from Iraq. It's because this is where the fall happened. Now, it's also home to these angelic guardians called cherubim. It's also adorned with trees, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's the source of sacred waters, baptism. And it's the place where God dwells with his people on earth. It's the sanctuary. This is where God dwells with his people on earth. This little sanctuary right here is the Garden of Eden. Nothing should profane it. Nothing. This is why we must keep it reverent. Now, for the Jews, Eden, like us, is the Holy of Holies. Not just God's place on earth. The temple was God's place on earth. But in the Jewish temple, there was one spot in the middle that was the most important. What was that called? The Holy of Holies. This whole church is God's temple. But there's one spot that is most important. The Holy of Holies. This is the sanctuary. And this is why the priest has to be in persona Christi. Because like Jesus, Jesus entered the Holy of Holies. This is Divine Mercy Sunday, which we're getting ready for. And so this was the most sacred estate in the whole cosmic temple of the world. So if the whole world is God's temple, the Garden Eden was the Holy of Holies. Now, you know, there's two creation accounts in the Bible, right? In the second creation account, man was formed before the plants and the animals. But in the first creation account, man was created after. Now, this is not a discrepancy. I did a whole talk on this about a year ago. You can find online. Because the first account is not meant to be a chronological description. The Bible, contrary to our fundamentalists, is not a science book. It is a book of morals, a book of ethics, it doesn't contradict science, but it's not meant to explain physics. It is meant to explain the moral law. All right. So it says God formed man, as Brother John read, and gives, gives us really kind of the image of what? The potter, right? Shaping, you know, you see the, that wheel spinning and, and the artist is moving their hands and it's forming that's kind of the image we get here, right? The potter shaping his vessel because what does he make man out of? Clay. God makes man out of clay from the earth. So Hebrew, the word in Hebrew for man is Adam. Adam. A-D-A-M. That's the Hebrew word for man. And you know what the Hebrew word for ground is? Adamah. A-D-A-M-A-H. This is amazing. We are putty in God's hands. Fascinating. And this is why God formed Adam from clay. What is clay? Dirt with dust. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. That's what we begin Lent with. So it's symbolic of our mortality. 
This all makes perfect sense. And right now I'm sharing with you what I learned in seminary. You always hear me say the greatest time of my life was in seminary. And I said, I wish I could go back to seminary. But I decided year, two years ago that I was going to go back to seminary. And now I'm taking you with me. Because I wanted to share everything I ever learned in seminary with you. And this is what I learned in seminary. I had so many scripture classes and I love them. And so what's going on here? It says God breathed into his nostrils into man the breath of life. Now this is fascinating because this is the animating principle that makes us a living creature. Now plants and animals are also living creatures. People always tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm, I'm just giving you church teaching. Thomas Aquinas and the church teaches plants and animals have souls. Yes, that means they're alive. Anything alive has a soul. An animal has a soul. A human has a soul. A plant has a soul. They are alive. The difference, the only difference is only man has a rational, immortal soul. It's called the spirit. Animals and plants do not have rational, immortal souls. God bless some of you, but your plant is not going to talk back to you and answer your questions. Now, sometimes it may seem your pet does, okay, because they can get, they can get cognition based on, on repetition, okay? Now, these living creatures and plants, they, as I said, we don't have rational souls, but the man has a spirit. So man is unique in that he's a composite a combination of matter and spirit, body and rational soul, unlike any other of God's creations. Now, Adam was not created with natural or biological life like the animals. He was different. How? He was infused with supernatural life of grace and holiness. God breathed into his nostrils. He didn't do that to the plants and the animals. That's why the dignity of man is so important. Thus, Adam was the son of God. Not capital S like Jesus or the second person of the Trinity, but small s, adopted son. Now, the only other time God breathed into man was when? When was the only other time God breathed into man? Divine Mercy Sunday. The Sunday after the resurrection, it seemed Christ entered into what? The Holy of Holies and did what? A new creation. He breathed life into the apostles. So this is God giving us a new creation. That's what Divine Mercy Sunday is for you. A chance to have a new start. God will breathe a new life into you. This is what we're getting ready for. I get so excited about this. It's just like people think I'm nuts. But this is what our faith is. It's beautiful. Now, the garden plays a part here. Why? Because garden translated is the word for paradise. Interesting. It's where everything has life. Now, there's two trees. This is very confusing. Growing up in, in, in grade school, I always thought that Adam and Eve got in trouble from eating from the tree of life. Uh-uh. The tree of life is the ancient symbol of immortality and divine wisdom. It is the fruit of everlasting life. But it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they got in trouble. Why? 
What was the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Okay. It was not a moral awareness that you can discern between good and evil. God wants us to have that. Knowledge of good and evil does not mean, wow, this is good and this is bad. Okay. This is inherently good, like the sacraments. This is inherently bad, like drugs or alcohol. The discernment between good and bad, the knowledge of good and bad, isn't what God's talking about here. That's not it. All right? That's the natural law. What the knowledge of good and evil means is the legal authority to determine what is good and evil. All of a sudden now, I'm a lawmaker. Abortion, good. No, you don't have that authority. You do not have the authority to determine what is good and evil. We have the gift of discerning what is good and evil. I can determine that is good and that is bad, but I don't determine. In other words, I can discern, maybe is a better word. I can discern what is, okay, God made something good and God allowed something to fall away. I don't determine that this is good and this is bad. Only God does. But I have the gift to know that God determined this good and God determined that bad. I do not have the ability to say, forget you, God. I'm determining abortion is good. That's the problem here. The legal authority to determine what is good and evil, like abortion laws, transgenderism, redefining marriage, is not our authority. We are doing the same sin Adam and Eve did when we decide to do that. And you know what? You could say to yourself, well, thank goodness I'm not a lawmaker. Aha. Every time you go into that voting booth, you are eating of that apple or you are determining I'm going to follow the will of God. That's why I preached here ad nauseum trying to show you not who to vote for, but what you have to factor into your consideration in a vote. You, the lawmakers, yes, they're trying to now to determine what is good and bad. Don't think you're exempt because when you go into the voting booth, so do you. God knows. This is why voting is so important. Adam usurps this moral authority of God. This is the problem that God alone has. He oversteps his bounds as a creature who was made to serve God. Instead, he becomes like God. This is why the certain tripped, ser serpent tripped him. And so he becomes like God and breaks what will become the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me, including yourself. That's why you've heard me say a hundred times. I can count on one hand the number of times I've had people confess to me out of the thousands of confessions I've heard breaking the first commandment. But we almost always do. You know, we don't think worshiping Allah or Buddha, that's the problem. No, yourself. And by determining and rewriting the laws of God to determine what you want to be good or evil, you are breaking the first commandment. That's how serious it is. That's why we Marian fathers were preaching and teaching to the point where we were being criticized left and light of being political. It's not being political. It's being moral and ethical. Now, what happens here? All right, the devil warned you. 
You think this is a problem? You're just being lied to. You will become like God. And that's why he doesn't want you to do it. Well, he was right, but for the wrong reasons. Catechism 396 says, man is dependent on his creator and subject to the laws of creation and to the moral norms that governs the use of freedom. So what Satan's doing is what he does with everything else. He'll take a sliver of truth and then twist it. We need to see this, that God is not our equal, but our father, our Lord. This arrangement was set up to test Adam's faith. Father, why would God do this? The Bible says we must all be tried. We must all go through the crucible. All right, to find out if we are obedient. What did Adam, I mean, uh, Abraham, he was tested. He was tested to see if he trusted God. Not just faithful, but he trusted. And here, what happened in the garden? Man failed. He rebelled. So God said, if you eat of it, you will die. So the twin, you could call them sanctions of this covenant with Adam, are represented by the tree of life and a tree that will bring death, the false knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. So here's what's fascinating, everybody. We have a choice. Does the Bible not say, I'm putting before you today good and evil? You have the choice for the good or the choice not for the good. So the sanctions of this covenant are blessing or curse. The Bible tells us this. The curse is mortality, physical death. And the blessing is life. The curse is spiritual death, being separated from God. That's what sin is. The blessing is life to be fruitful and multiply. So the curse to ourselves is death. That's why the Bible tells us and the Catholic Church is stressed, choose life. It's not just about laws. It's about a command of God. And so to finish the moral to this whole story, you want to know the whole moral to everything? If you heard nothing else that I've said here right now, here's the moral. Man rebels against his very creator and brings sin and misery into the world. Why? Because he separated himself from God. God is good as itself. Sin is just basically a privation of the good. Evil is a privation of the good. God is goodness. If we turn away from him, we basically push out goodness itself. What is left is a lack of the good. That is what evil is, a privation of the good. So by rejecting the covenant... It brings shame. That's why they put now on fig leaves. They had shame in their naked bodies. It brings strife. They got a toil now in the land. It brings suffering. Now there will be pain at childbirth, which all come from a separation from God, which is the definition of sin. This is why this is the original sin. All right, so the lasting effects are many, including death, and physical death, and a disorder, this propensity now that we have towards evil that's passed down to every human. It's called concupiscence. So this propagation of original sin or passing down, basically is human nature without sanctifying grace, can be fixed by the sanctifying grace of the sacraments of the church that Jesus came to give us. All right? 
So this original sin and the fallen inclinations that we now have, our brokenness called concupiscence, that come with this sin are seen today. But again, God gave us the remedy. God gave Christ and his church as the remedy. Why did Christ found a church? If you don't think it's important, why? you're just saying Jesus wasted his time. Matthew 16, 18, where he made his church. So Christ, I think I'll sum up with this. I know I'm running really late, but Christ conquered the devil with the same tools that the devil used to conquer us. Hear this again. Christ conquered the devil with the exact same uh, tools that the devil used to conquer us. A virgin, a tree, and death. The virgin was Eve. Now Genesis 3.15 is going to say Satan's head will be crushed. And if you go to the original language of the Dewey Reams, it is she. So Satan used Eve, a virgin. God, Christ, uses Mary, a virgin. The tree of knowledge Satan used to conquer mankind in the garden. Jesus will use a same tree, the wood of the cross, to conquer sin. And finally, death. Satan used Adam's death to strike back at mankind. Now Jesus will use the death on the cross, followed by the resurrection to undo it. You see, this is the importance of Adam and Eve. And many people say, that's ah, just a fairy tale. If it's just a fairy tale, it's the greatest ever written. But I can promise you it's not a fairy tale. This is God's message to us. And the answer and the remedy is his mercy. All we have to do is ask for it. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.